PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, Nota. How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. I think I would just like to explain where my name comes from. Um, Bullet, it actually comes uh, (laughs) from Bulletproof Narc, which is the most embarrassing username ever for (laughs) for my condition. Um, But uh, actually, uh, it comes from Reddit. It's It's my uh, username on on reddit and um it, a particular sub the rnpd sub the support group for people with narcissistic personality disorder and um we're here today because this is actually where we met mm. yeah so um it's lovely to hear you in person yes instead of just sort of text on a screen text on a screen but you know yes. the text on the screen is the text on the screen is pretty powerful it's it um, is. my therapist well this maybe we can talk about therapists another time but mm. my therapist calls rmpd the most empathic place on the internet really isn't that, yeah isn't that ironic isn't it yeah yep so um and I, <laughs> that's another, that's <laughs> it's an, crazy. That's another whole story, but I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what would be great um, today with um, you? You very generously set up this podcast, mm. and um, it's the first episode. And yes. I think it would be so lovely to to talk about something about like um, what brought us here and mm. the kind of journey of realizing that we had a personality disorder and actually being diagnosed yeah with that and what that's been like and um afterwards I would love to talk about that with you so um let's do it let's do it I've got a question I've got a question which is what brought you to our MPD Ooh, it's a very long journey um Mm. And there's there's sort of two stages. So firstly, I had my diagnosis and I went through therapy. And then recently, I had some events that triggered or re-triggered me and made me think, well, I've got quite a bit more work to do. So mm. um, yeah, so it was it, it's that two-step thing. But should I start with how I was diagnosed? I would absolutely, I'd love that. Yeah, I mean... Okay, right. Before the diagnosis, though, yeah. were you what were you aware of in terms of, you know, anything like having a disorder or any condition or mental health issues? What were you aware of beforehand? 
Unfortunately, I had no awareness that I had a disorder, mm-hmm. which is very embarrassing. Um, but I, I certainly knew there was something wrong. That was part of my personality, that I was too emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I, I was depressed. And mm-hmm. I remember at 14 saying, nope. I'm I'm going to work at this and become normal. Um, mm. So there was a long journey and I did go to a number of psychologists and I did try therapy in my early 20s and nothing happened. And I think I used to sort of lose hope or become quite depressed about that. So I'd, I'd try something and it wouldn't work. Um, and I'd still be really depressed. Um, so I, I did have strong uh, periods of depression. I struggled with working full time. I mean, I knew I was really insecure. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't fully functional. And then I actually had a nervous breakdown, basically, and I was hospitalized. And that's when I was given the diagnosis. Okay, so, so how old were you then? Ugh, 30. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, so the, my 20s had been a real struggle, trying a number of things, you know, meditation, counselling, therapy, as I said. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, I, I sort of started to give up hope. So I tried having a career and I couldn't do it. My relationships were crashing. Um, I went through a period of a number of stresses, all adding one on top of the other, and then that was it. I just, I literally fractured in my mind. I couldn't hold myself together. It, it, all I could do was breathe. So I, I took an overdose and can't remember that, but ended up in hospital and spent maybe 10 days in hospital and uh, on my exit appointment I was given my diagnosis and that was a shock to me. So before that I'd experienced things that, oh, you know, I was too emotional but I also thought the world is being cruel and that's why I, I was depressed. And if only people would change and, you know, I got the love or, or whatever, or better treatment, then suddenly I would be fine. So I attended this meeting and I was given a little white card, a folded card, and the psychiatrist was sitting there and I opened the card and it said narcissistic borderline personality disorder and I just dived down then because suddenly I was defective and there wasn't any hope. So Back then, so that would have been a little bit over 20 years ago, back then there was not, obviously not as much uh, in the way of resources and I don't know that I knew that much about uh, borderline personality disorder but I did understand narcissism a little bit. So, you know, I knew the myth and I knew it involved being self-absorbed and that was hideous. That was hideous. It was almost like I could read it and just skip over the first word and go, I'm a borderline. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was it was really, really hard. You know, it's it's really interesting listening to your story. Um, I'm kind of thinking in particular, when you got your diagnosis, um, what was, you know, what was the kind of support that you had at that time? 
Mm, I was overseas. So being in a psychiatric hospital in a country where you don't speak the language very well was actually a relief because I didn't have to talk to anybody that I didn't want to. And I could tune out of uh, all the conversations if I felt like it. Um, but I couldn't continue there. Obviously, I was in a really bad way. So I came back here to Australia. And I think, I guess I, I don't know. I just remember being really, really grey um, and just hopeless and just trying to just take one step at a time. But I don't know why I didn't think about getting more treatment. Um, oh, no, that's right, I did. So I ended up going to see a, a psychologist for a year and I would talk and it just sort of, it didn't feel like anything. She didn't reflect back. She'd just sort of say yes and listen to me and there wasn't really a connection. So it was all a bit hopeless. Mm. And, um, yeah, so do you want so, me to talk? Yeah, Talk no, I just the next I'm, step. You you could do, but I'm just curious. Did the did the psychologist know about your diagnosis? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Mm. And uh, but and they, and did they try to explain it to you or? No, uh, no, there wasn't much feedback. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, I think she thought she was just validating my feelings, which you know I can imagine has a as a place. Mm. Um. To a, to a point but yeah. it seems sad to me that um you didn't have people trying to help you make sense of this thing that you'd been given on a white piece of card mm. um and it seems like it could have been quite isolating um yeah it, i think i was isolated emotionally anyway so and i think i i really i didn't want to go into it in a way you know, I didn't. I didn't want to think about what it meant. It was too horrible. Mm. Mm. So I, I just wanted some help with the pain, and to get better. Yeah, I think I wanted to get better without thinking about what I had. I mean, you know, that that also makes sense to me because you know it's a label, yeah, isn't it? So it's not necessarily, you know, it's not all of you, and it's not necessarily helpful for people. Mm. Um, it's helpful some, for some people, but not everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Um, so, what was your journey after that? What happened with after you you were this psychologist for a year? What then happened? Yeah. So then I moved. So mm. I moved to a completely different place. So there was no option of of continuing with that. Um, and I did become quite distressed again. And I end up in a psychiatric hospital again, and I was given an appointment with a therapist. Um, and the biggest symptom for me was anxiety, huge anxiety. So I was on medication, but it wasn't enough. So I was really angry with the hospital for not giving me enough sedation. And I, I went into my uh, appointment and I was standing and pacing and yelling. And I said, I want some more tablets. Um, and he said, you're shouting because you're angry. And you're mm. angry because you're afraid. 
And when he said that, it was like he it was like a steam valve that released the steam. Um, and by naming that sort of huge turmoil inside me, I, I felt instant release and I just sat down and I think they talk about being contained, your emotions being contained within therapy, and that's mm -hmm. what had happened. He'd sort of maybe pricked the bubble and and released some pressure and I was able to sit and from then on I went, this is it, this is, the, this is what I need. So I think I connected in one way um, instantly, but it, it was also a, a slow process to really connect on a deeper level. But certainly in that first appointment, I recognized that that's, this was what I needed. So I was committed. So I'm just curious about that moment where he said, your therapist said that to you. Hmm. And I'm kind of, I mean, you said that on a sort of intellectual level, you kind of got it, but what was that like for you in terms of like, a feeling human being yeah, emotionally yeah so I think I'd I mean I've been an obsessive reader of problem pages and books about psychology and stuff since I was a teenager but when he spoke to me it was I, I kind of understood that this was on an emotional level so it wasn't an intellectual thing it was a direct emotional level um, and that was the key for me, that sort of unlocked my feelings instead of being in my head and trying to control it by having a, a sort of an intellectual construct. He just talked straight to my heart and I went, yep, this is where I need to release from. So, yeah. Mm. It, mm. It, 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 and, and so did you, what happened straight afterwards? Um. You mean directly after the appointment or sort of in well, the weeks that followed? Well, actually, I mean like in the moment of when he said that first thing to you. Mm. And then I'm wondering, can you remember any of the rest of the session? No. Okay. No, but I do remember calling him, um, being really agitated, maybe after one or two sessions and calling him out of uh, a session and him telling me that I that I was fine or he, he was like he played the parent that was um sort of reprimanding me in a way but sort of telling me to that I was okay and pull myself together and I sort mm. of yeah so definitely he went in there and started reparenting basically and and so with that sort of reprimand I pulled myself back in and hung on grimly to the next appointment yeah i was i was thinking about that idea of reparenting it sounds like mm. that's what he 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 did he was he a kind of father figure to you in yeah. some ways do you think yeah and actually I, I did change i had to change over to another one and oh, the second one i just loved him from the start he was he had um a white beard and white hair and yeah, I related to him. He sort of reminded me of my mother's side of the family and he became to me, I would think it was a cross between um, the fairy godmother in Cinderella and um, Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was like, mm -hmm. I could go in there and feel understood um, and sympathised with, but he'd also push me. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, and, and I remember looking back at the at my emotional growth and I certainly 
when I went in, I felt like a very young child on the inside. And when I left, I'd sort of gone through. So it felt like I'd gone through school. Mm. In a way, he felt like he did feel like a mentor or he was like an a great uncle or an uncle that I'd never had and that I'd, I'd wished as, as a child I could have gone to and talked to and then through that period I'd grown up. It's fascinating. And how, how long did that take? Oh, it took five years. Yeah. Mm. And that's that's embarrassing to admit. Like, I was so ashamed of that because I thought, oh, I was so fucked up that it took just so long um, to be treated no. Yeah, and the first one I remember saying to him, oh, how long is this going to take? And he said, how long is a piece of string, uh, which mm. was a bit frustrating. But, yeah, but then recently I've read that, you know, it can take a very long time, like quite a few years. So, yeah, I feel a bit better about that. But, yeah, definitely it was a slow process with lots of releasing and then absorbing his words. Yeah, but, I mean, if you don't mind me saying, mm. you know, it, it, the thing about it is it's, and it's not your fault, though, is it, that you're no. in that situation? No. And I think it's, in a way, it's not the fault of the family I grew up in because trauma has been passed down. And, you know, it's only recently that humans have, um, you know, developed vaccines and effective medical care and, you know, safety. So there's just like a whole inheritance of, of many tragic and awful things and mm. um here we are with that inheritance kind of grappling with it and trying to overcome you know what it's caused in us i think that's such a wonderful sentiment Aww. wonderful thing to say thank and, you uh, yeah i mean i feel something similar but uh in some of the time <laughs> but you really yeah. articulated it really nicely there that was so oh, nice thank you yeah hear. so i'm i'm curious now about like just that idea of becoming aware and so you had your you had your diagnosis and the time leading up to that and then you had your treatment and I'm just wondering how you relate to the idea of that you were diagnosed with narcissistic borderline personality disorder I mean do you do you now you you're you're further down the line do you recognize those traits and in yourself or in, in your earlier life or even now a little bit or how does how do you make to those that that diagnosis well that first word i'm in denial <laughs> so no um yeah so in the therapy and he did actually say this to me at a later stage. So it started with him just empathizing with me. So I talk and he would say, I oh, had the most beautiful, very sober, very gentle, very grave way of saying, that sounds difficult for you. And I, I would sort of, yes. And then I would cry. I would really go into it. And um, and then after a while, I, I achieved more stability and more, you know, I'd released some pain and I wasn't overwhelmed with it anymore. And then he started to um, point things out that really hurt my ego. Mm. So, yes. And then that's when I assumed he was going for the narcissism. Yeah, things about myself that I did not want to see. 
and he'd say them and I'd just sit there for a minute and I'd grit my teeth and I'd I'd hate it. Um, But after a while I realised I was growing stronger. So, yeah, so that's when I thought, yes, these bits that he's identifying are are sort of ego defences and and vanity. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so all those things. Which Do you I'm have any choos- choosing to reveal here? Okay, uh, all the things he said to me. Okay. Um, no, I'll tell you. Oh, I'll tell you. The first one was, mm. oh, he. I, I told him I wanted to do something, and he was saying that it would impact some people in my life. And I was like, No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he said, Are you telling me that you're a spoiled little girl who doesn't care how they're affecting someone else? And I just went, Oh. Fuck. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. So, yep. And it was true. It was true. Okay. Okay. So, um, and you're still, you're still something that you're exploring that narcissism. It's still something that you're not comfortable with. Um, yeah, I think so. I think the word selfish was like the biggest taboo growing up. So, yeah, that's really hard, really okay. hard to admit to that. Maybe it's even like you should be unselfish to the point of not having needs. Okay. You know, like even having needs is demanding. That's pretty extreme. It's mm. pretty extreme. Um, so what about being on the RMPD subreddit? I mean – how you, you you obviously is exploring narcissism mm. in lots of different guises. So yeah. how how do you relate to reading people's um thoughts on those issues? Yeah. So what happened? Why I came onto it is because um I did have an interaction with a grandiose narcissistic person who praised me and um. I kind of inflated like a huge balloon Um, and then they vanished as is the case often and I went, what are these feelings? Why am I like this? But I also, it was crazy. I It was like I came alive. So I I, I think I exited therapy and I, I was at a very stable, um, fairly unconfident, but I would call it a normal level and I went, well, this is being normal. I'm just not a confident person. And then for a number of years, I was very stable. And then this happened and I went, how am I going to deal with these feelings? I don't want to end up just collapsing back into being unconfident. Um, So that's why I came to the sub. And so I I don't relate to the feeling empty. So a lot of people talk about feeling empty, Mm -hmm. um, not knowing their feelings, not contacting their feelings and having a void. but yeah, other things I do relate to, um, such as ugh, vanity. Yep, vanity. Cool. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Um, and and then yeah, this is the other really weird thing. So, 
I when I've been reading recently about narcissism, it, it's basically that it's a defense against feelings of worthlessness. And certainly I've thought about that and gone back and said, yes, you know, I can see that in me. I guess I call that insecurity, but you know, I thought about the really incredible shame that I did contact. Um mm. and then the 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 narcissism is or the defense is the fluctuation between the grandiosity and the vulnerability and they're yeah. both very extreme yeah 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 and so um and i think i'd it, it's like because i'm an introvert um even though i'm talking on this podcast um i <sighs> I I kind of I look at the world and I go there's the inner world and the outer world and I got I'd gotten very stable with the inner world and the inner world was um my nearest and dearest um my home life you know a quiet little job um my friendship group not doing anything big or amazing but that was very steady and then there's the outside world which is like career and all the people out there and really daring things and I just thought that was never for me um but now because I did get that praise I've jumped out into that world and I really noticed that I I really flick between those two states um so what I did was when I read about you know that sort of um yeah, that switching, and it said that vulnerable narcissists are in that collapse state where they mm. they just feel inadequate, um, and you know, and vulnerable, um, like you know, like they're failed grandiose narcissists. Like they want to be that amazing person that gets all the attention. Um, I'm not admitting to that, and mm. um, but they they're in the failure state. Oh my. God, I relate to that so well. Um, mm. But I've said, okay, so yeah, because the, the another thing I've read is that it, it's actually actually a holdover from your very early years when you you did fluctuate between those two states, and if you can go through them in a healthy way, then they settle down and, and sort of become balanced. Um, so I've allowed the grandiosity to come into me and sometimes I'm I'm out and about and I'm strutting around and I've dressed up to the nines and I'm getting some attention. I'm I'm like, yeah, good, let this in and let me feel this. And then hopefully it fleshes out and becomes more whole. It sounds like uh a lot of this uh is kind of recent this uh this mm. uh, development. Mm -hmm. So it's actually experienced through Going through the looking at the sub and meeting this grandiose guy, yeah, and so that's cool. That's this is kind of like an ongoing journey for you. Yeah, and it, it's really weird. I think so. What happened is it, I idealized the guy, so I hadn't I hadn't done it so powerfully with anyone before, um, but because he, you know, I was looking up to him and he was giving me this praise. Um, and it, yeah, it was someone in, in a situation where it really validated me in the areas where I'm really insecure. Um, and then because I had him up on a pedestal and when I look back, I'm like, my God, that was pathetic the way I just totally was dazzled. Um, but because he was dazzling and giving me praise, then it, it just unlocked um a whole new world of possibilities um, in terms of what I was capable of. And to me, I understand vulnerable narcissism and maybe I'm just reading and taking what 
you know, my particular example is, is um, that you're not confident enough to embody that grandiosity yourself. So you attach yourself to someone else who possesses it. And then the glow of their wonderfulness sort of falls on you. Um, and, and yet by that praise, and it was in a couple of weeks, I just suddenly went boom. And I, I became so much more physically alive and emotionally alive. Um, I was so churned up. In fact, I became euphoric. And so when when the contact with him ceased, I was sort of, I felt like I was flying, but in a really new place, um, a very exciting place, but a very unstable place. And yeah, and I went, you know, I, I, I thought, at first, I didn't realize that he was a grandiose narcissist, um, and I sort of entered into those emotions. And then, as I worked through it, I went, "Yes, that's what he is." Um, and then I thought I wanted to to complete the process because it felt like he connected with something. And then I became very dependent on him for validation. And I thought I don't want to. I don't want to let go of that because it's it's a whole new thing, and it's so much better. And it's so much better than being uh, just super unconfident in the outside world. So how do I how do I ride this? How do I grab a hold of this emotion and keep it going, and then shape it into something that that is beneficial? Like finish that journey. Um, and wow. so I just, well, I was already on Reddit, so I went to the sub and immediately, I think I was still a lot more euphoric, but yeah, immediately, I think, no, that's what happened. That's right. Um, this It just changed everything for me. So he was like everything I was not, which was male, uh, successful really extroverted, able to deal with, you know, a huge room full of people, whereas I I had that thing and I think that's another another um, sign of the vulnerable narcissism, which is when you don't like attention because you feel that people are looking at you um, really negatively. So, you know, I would rather crawl under my desk than, than ever get attention. Um, and then yeah, so he he really was everything I wasn't. And then I looked back at our interactions and I saw in him exactly the same insecurity, like that terrible, terrible insecurity that drove me to do um, unwise and desperate things. And that it was like my head cracked open and I went, yeah, at first I went, oh, my God, because I, I had felt before that, I felt nervous around because I thought he could look into me. And then when I saw that in him, it was like I found someone else who who has this hidden bit. And I, I became really aware that I had this hidden side that I just always kept back and I'd never ever, I'd never even considered using it to engage with the world. Um, and And just seeing it, I wanted to reach out to him. And then I thought, if this guy feels vulnerable and he seems so confident to me obviously he wasn't um then everybody must have it mm. you know every single person in the world must have this vulnerability and suddenly i loved it i went wow because it was like to look at him and look back and go oh he's felt all these awful terrible shameful 
powerful feelings and that's like my my strongest experience then that part of me can connect to others who have the same and I yeah I really wanted to finish the journey so even though it wasn't fully clear I I knew I was totally stirred up and in a completely different place and I went I just want to work through all these feelings so yeah I, I went to the sub and then I've been totally addicted ever since (laughs) and actually i wonder that um we interacted pretty soon after you joined Mm. um i think something i remember i was commenting or something on or posting something and you you commented on some of my posts actually i don't know exactly when you joined but i joined Mm. in i joined the sub in uh late october and um it was a little bit after that that you started interacting with me Mm-hmm. So that was it was very cool to have your thoughts oh, okay um, wafting through god yeah <laughs> well, uh, was i too uh, i feel like i was flying though so i hope i wasn't lacking no, in it, too much it, common sense no it was it was good it was it was good and i and, and i've enjoyed seeing your development uh, your your evolution from just commenting a little bit kind of just nipping in and just saying a few words to actually writing full-on posts yeah full on um, yeah and and really going for it and really you know full-on expression so I think that's a lovely evolution to see mm. I really I really enjoyed that actually I'll tell you a secret so this grandiose narcissist encouraged me to be positive to others because that that is a feature of his personality is like boom like very excited and 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 bumping people right up so he was doing that to me and I did understand part of his um, treatment of me was that I would absorb that and then express it out to others um, in the group that we were in um, to be supportive and uplifting to them I think probably it's too uplifting um, and and it's not it's not grounded and of course he was actually seeking supply so in mm. giving it out he he was subtly um, trying to obtain it back from me um, uh. yeah 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 oh yeah yeah he gave me the eyes um, <laughs> yes he's quite a flirt um, but it, it, it was like oh it was oh my god it was extraordinary because then I gave it to the people in my group and I'd always been a bit supportive but it, it was like I I did flip into this euphoria and then give it out and I got so much back from it you know people loved it and I could see I could see that he was validating people and I yeah I was like I've got this emotional side too and I've always turned that energy inwards but he's pushing it out into other people and I thought I can do that too because I'm I'm a similar in some ways um in terms of traits a personality sort of traits so what I did I sort of got this flow of energy and pushed it out and I could see you know I've been getting positive um results from that so I, I brought that to the sub I was like boom boom let's bump everyone up and yeehaw and wow you're going well like the big sort of cheer squad thing so actually um what I've been doing is, is sort of a, a continuation of his treatment of me wow good so mm. it's 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 so interesting how this is like a an ongoing process for you of just experimenting and yes um uh seeing kind of what works and maybe mm-hmm. you know um pushing forward on certain things and pulling back on other things 
Yes. Um, yeah, to sort of work out. And I suppose you're working out bits, new bits of your personality yes, at the same like time. Looking inside, finding new emotions and, and going, I'm going to ride with this and, and see where it takes me. And hopefully having my hands on the reins enough to stop really bad effects. Mm. Um, but, yeah, feeling somewhat out of control. But, yeah, going with it. Well, I have to say mm. it definitely relates to my, uh, my experience as well. Mm. Um, and I'm, but I'm kind of thinking that this, what we've done here is we've, it's a nice little um, episode in itself, actually, just focusing on your experience, I have to say. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if we could, I wonder how you feel about we could leave it there and yeah. then maybe, and then maybe have like a, a, uh, uh, second one and we, and I could relate my experience and mm-hmm. it could be because it's nice to sort of contain yours in a in a single episode how do you feel about that yeah that sounds yeah. good and you did very well in asking me questions and drawing it out of me I'm, I'm glad I enjoyed it yeah. and, you know um so why don't we wrap it up there and and we can um we can reconvene next time okay all right sounds See good you soon. and I can't wait to hear your story Thank you. Cheers. Okay. See, you, see you soon. Okay. Bye. The makers of PD Raw accept and embrace our guests and respect their honesty. Please be aware that understanding the hurt that makes people want to act out is not the same as condoning destructive behaviours. In fact, we hope that this podcast will contribute to helping people overcome negative and harmful patterns in themselves and in others. PD Raw is a project run by unpaid volunteers. We would love some help with paying for the podcast app. If you would like to donate just a small amount towards the cost, please click on the small globe icon in the top right of the podcast homepage. Thank you.